Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black television series. Tonight we're talking about episode 210, a Little Mustachioed Twit. Little Mustachioed Shit. I balderdashed that, and I apologize. I've never <laughs> done that in my life. The Little Mustachioed Shit. I thought that was a little lame for a title. <laughs> yeah. thought that was... Uh, anyway. PG. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is... is Cecily of True Blood fame. <laughs> True Blood authority fame on thebaldmove.com, Worldwide Empire. <laughs> uh, what do you think of this episode? Uh, is this the episode where things officially got real? In what way? It would turn into a comedy. Turn from a comedy into a dramedy. I, it's arguably that that's happened before now, but no. I mean, this this, okay. this episode saw the ass-beating... The degrading, destructive to the human soul beating that Pousset got at the hands of oh, yeah. Suzanne, which was like a double sad. Yeah. It, did, it, it's kind of, it did violence to both of them, and that really sucked. It also showed some really creepy behaviors from Mendez, and it cast further negative light in the Bennett and Daya's relationship. Let's just get right into it. Let's get right into it. Uh, Piper and Alex have a love scene flashback. And I knew it was Alex right away because I could see her fingers and they were uh, covered in black nail polish. I knew it was Alex right away because Piper's hair was long. Mm. <laughs> what? Well, longer than it is? Oh, that's, she has like an extension to mm-hmm. the flashbacks. I never noticed that. Uh, Piper's first time. Such a uh, man. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's her first time in eating Pousset. <laughs> I see what you did there. If you will. And just as she's kind of getting wrapping her head around it, uh, Sylvie, which apparently is the girlfriend of Alex, busts in the apartment and lands a couple haymakers on poor Piper's face. Why does she come in like through the shadows Punches with her hood Piper's up? Puss. Who walks in the house like that? Uh, the lesbian about to start some shit. Apparently, it's her house. I, yeah. would, I don't come home with my hood up like ready to kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually not true. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, anyway... I just start punching you. (laughs) (laughs) Piper is so distraught, she leaves her shoes behind. And Alex is like, you shouldn't leave your shoes, they're cute. And she's like, well, I got them from Marshall's, bitch, joke's on you. Takes off. Uh, We see the Piper's back in the prison. She's got full makeup on. She's she's talking to Red, and she's telling her about everything she did. And Red uh, rasps that you lived a whole life in 48 hours. And she lies to Red... About going to her little market cafe. Good lie or bad lie? Uh, it's a lie that the person wants to believe, which is always a lower degree of difficulty than convincing something they're skeptical of. Yeah. So she wanted to believe it. Uh, in her heart, she thought it would be, it, it's what her heart wanted to hear. So. Is Red ever going to get out? I don't know. So. Probably not before Piper does. And the thing is, is that. Piper showed some adeption at lying because she's like, she did a cold reading. Oh, yeah. that um, that sweet thing. And she laid the line with her inability to, pronou- to uh, pronounce Poroshki. Vitrushki. No, no, right. But before the episode, when oh, she said, right. check out the Poroshki. She's like, Porohushka Maha? Right. Nagasaki? Uh, Dresden? She started naming off list of allied atrocities. Awful. And uh, she couldn't say that. So this, I guess that's kind of believable, the fact that she's kind of an idiot with the names. But she's getting a nice lip gloss as a present. She is. She'll, she'll be fine. And it smells like shit, literally. <laughs> uh, mm. Her and Larry broke up, she confides, and found that she wasn't even mad. That she got, she <laughs> kind of expected it. That she saw this as like, uh, she called it for tit for tat or tit for tit. Yeah. 
because uh, she cheated on him yeah. first. She wanted and wasn't surprised by. Uh, I like the fact that Red hints that if this had happened to her, she would have gotten a pair of pliers and blowtorch and got medieval on the man's ass. She's just like, oh, well, you know, live and let live, huh? Okay. There's Not what two I... types of people in this world. Uh-huh. There's Those sane the people <laughs> and crazy Russian Reds. Hmm. But uh, then she, at the end of the conversation, she says some mail came for you, and she dumps a whole packet of shit that came from Alex Falls. Oh, really? Yes. I thought she... No, she handed her the one envelope. Oh, really? I thought it was several. No. She's like a... She's been throwing away all the letters. She just handed her one card. Uh, I thought there was a couple more. Anyway. Yeah. Nope. All right. Well, fuck me then. Jesus, uh, I'm an idiot. What am I doing podcasting? <laughs> Breakfast. Turns out uh, smokes will get you two waffles. Yeah, get you extra waffles. Mm. And already blaring on the intercom is each meal contains 1,600 calories. Beware of overeating, ladies. <laughs> like, Wow. We're slopping you with your entire caloric requirements for a day in one meal. Don't get fat. These waffles are essentially fried battered butter. <laughs> oh, Don't bo- get fat. Oh, and by the way, the track still isn't open. And that gym we were building? Doesn't even exist. <laughs> Don't get fat. Your appearance is still being judged in prison. Don't get fat. Man, that's an oppressive Orwellian nightmare that they're living in. Yes, it is. Uh... So uh, the girl, the V and her girls go up to Miss Rosa, who's sitting all alone, and say, hey, we need your seat. And she goes, I'm not finished yet. And she has Suzanne pour water all over her breakfast. Oh, how do you do that? That's like doing that to the sister. Yeah. And then the girls sit down, and they're just reveling in their newfound power. Yeah, they're, they're really high off this trip, this power they're, trip. They're talking about how they're the commissary queens, and they're running this shit. And V's like, yeah, that's the way it should be. Black Cindy does a really racist imitation of Chang, or is it? She just basically does an imitation of a really thick accent. I'm not sure if that qualifies as racist or not. I'm pretty sure it is. And we're both Caucasian, so... So we are the leading expert on what's racist. Yes, <laughs> yes, we would know. We would know. We Let's would white know. explain to you the whole why you shouldn't <laughs> be offended at this. But anyway, um, Sophia... Uh, confides that she cuts her own hair and she's got a new dude that she's rocking because it turns it's adorable. out her son's coming to visit. This is the first time since she's been in sent to the pokey, I believe. Do you think it's of his own will or do you think his mother just wore him down finally? What, well, uh, what an angel. Thought, that woman is made out of solid gold. Yeah. Sophia's ex-wife, I guess. She really, if anything, nothing else, she really loves her son. Mm-hmm. Because it is always better if uh, a child can have positive relationships with both her uh, uh, parents, regardless of how big an asshole one or the other is. Is that a fact, Freud? It is. It is a. <laughs> it is a fact. That. I mean, not. I mean, obviously, if there's abuse or emotional shit going on, then no. But you know, if you're just not mad, like a lot of times, the 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 exes get mad at each other and they take it out on the child by denying or talking shit about the other. She's clearly not the woman that does that. And I respect her. I respect for her for that. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Because at first, my first clear impression was that he was going there of his own free will, which is why she was excited about it. But when he fa- actually got there, he was so stone cold. But that could just be awkwardness. I think it's awkwardness. I think after um, you have that much time between your parent... Um, you just don't even know how to relate to them as a person anymore. Uh, Soso is wanting to recruit people for her hunger strike. 
Uh, but people are saying even the even the old nun. Sister, Sister Ingalls. Sister Ingalls says, "Oh, honey, it's not Guantanamo." Uh, Big Boo, as she met, closes her eyes and meditate. Big Boo takes food and shoves it in her mouth. And it sounds like from this conversation, we get we understand because I heard you mention this in a previous Orange Is the New Black podcast. But it sounds like she wasn't showering based on a private protest of the conditions of the showers mm. about how the plumbing is backing up into them. Not so much as like, Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of nervousness and not wanting to get naked in front of other people and those other things. But it sounds like it was just a pr- protest. Hmm. Interesting. Her reaction was so visceral to the being showered that I felt like that it was a little bit more than just political. But well, here's the right. thing is that there is that she is the sort of passive protester, the kind of person who, harms themselves, chains themselves uh, to a tree, uh, does a hunger strike, that now she's in a position where she can be met with active resistance. They can take her yeah, private sure, protest sure. and they can force her to do the thing. And I've seen she's people, a prisoner of the state now. I've seen people cry when their politician loses election. So there's people that can get way more passionate about their political beliefs and stances than I. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty fucking passionate. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I just want to point out that this big boo, like, I guess it's not a, just a sexual thing. She just does not respect people's She's boundaries or body integrity at all. Mm-hmm. And this is just more grist for that particular disrespect mill. Uh, Nikki had a very good – who did she imitate? She here? does a spot on Alex. Oh, Voss. Yeah, yeah. she's a, a very good Alex Voss impersonation. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like, uh, you know, so uh, sorry, it's fucking you over in Chicago is for your own good. Now let me lick your pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and Piper says, look, I'm just really tired of being stuck. I intellectually know this woman is bad for me, but it's one of those deals where the sex is so good. And, and it's one of those things where it's the first time, maybe, maybe the only time she's been sexually satisfied in a relationship. And that's a rough place to be. You love. Well, but it's not even love. It's more of a. That kind of like lust. I think it was love. Love. Yeah. Louve. Mm-hmm. Mm, it's a mixture of lust and love called Louve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> TM. Uh, but I can, you know, who who can't relate to taking an inordinately long time to get over an ex? Although it has been ten years. But I guess I guess they just that's they have all their past history plus all their recent history, and it's just really fucking her mentally. We have a flashback. A flashback. Where they meet at is it's a burlesque bar, but it, are they implied that this is also a gay bar as well, a lesbian bar? Well, I don't know. Why does it have to be a lesbian bar? It doesn't. Because uh, there's lesbians in it. Well, I feel like that that Piper deliberately was stalking her. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is post being kicked out of Sylvie's house. She finds out yeah. that Alex has fucked her over. Yeah. Uh, she still wants part of it, so right, right. You know, because, look at again, your life, look at sex, your choices. She's never considered herself a sexual being. She's watching them seeming to be very happy together, sure. and is still trying to win Alex out from underneath Sylvie, and it works. Yeah, I mean Piper. You I'm know, assuming this is pre-Alex being a drug dealer. Oh, it seems like she's just kind of no, no. Because when she got the call before Sylvie rolled in to kick her ass, she goes. Quick, what time is it in Amsterdam? Oh. That implies a pretty big drug connection, yeah. I think. I got my timeline mixed up. Uh, anyway, she mentions this one comment, comment that one of the burlesque dancers does a Ray Romano puppet routine that's surprisingly sexy. Mm-hmm. 
do you think that they the writers' room came up with the weirdest thing we could say that would plausibly be sexy, or how did they come up with that line? Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, it's really crazy. So anyway, Piper comes up and says, "Look, you pursued me, and I liked it. And if that's your future wife out there, then tell me to fuck off. But I'm going to talk a whole bunch of psychosexual smack." And at the end, say, I want to taste what you taste like, at which point Alex shuts the woman's bathroom door mm-hmm. and presumably gives her a little little taste test. <laughs> a little, uh, you know, do you prefer Coke or Pepsi? <laughs> Jesus. If you know what I mean. I know what you mean, unfortunately. Then, uh, oh, God, Mendez goes up to Red and says, what you eating there, humble pie? And he lists about 23 crow different... <laughs> expressions for uh, for what do you call that what's that schadenfreude like food metaphors for being, being wrong. wrong and having to eat it and having to deal yeah. with it uh then as she tries to walks away he smacks her on the ass you don't do that to red or anyone or anyone then goes and buddies up to bennett which bennett is about to fucking explode yeah. this whole time mm-hmm. oh my god uh we see Fig raking uh, Caputo over to Coles about being pissed about the newsletter. And he just sit there and smile because he doesn't give a shit. He goes, yeah, well, your rapist ex-guard has exceeded expectations. He knocked up Daya. Oh. And she's like, oh, we got we to gotta sit on this. And he's like, really? You want a rapist to continue working the prison so you can handle the PR, right? Yeah. And he says on one condition that he gets to be the one to fire the bastard. That's a weak condition, right? Like, uh, like if he's really that concerned with keeping the girls clean and safe, I don't think the right to fire him. I, I think that's absolutely. Plus, he could just fire. I think he's got the authority to fire him anyway. No. You don't think so? He fired him the first time. And then Fig hired him back, so it's sort of above him. <sighs> I don't know. I thought it was fucking bizarre that you know he, I, I understand think he, he wants to get this guy but on the other hand he's already just I just watched him sexually assault a prisoner mm-hmm. by slapping her on the ass so Jesus uh, another awful scene uh, Healy is talking to his therapist and she asked him about his relationship with his wife and he confides that he's got a mail order bride and he gets all defensive and act Immediately. like and act like she's being condescending when that's a legit look. She was just being curious. Look, you order a Russian bride that is so far outside of the what we consider socially acceptable that whether it's right or wrong, and I'm not willing to pass moral judgment. No, I think he's completely aware that it's weird and it's different, and that as soon as anyone asks about it, he immediately gets defensive. But you should expect that. Exactly. He did expect that. That's why when it was genuine, like, curiosity coming from your therapist, that you treated it as hostility. Yeah. And she goes, I'm just curious. Why did you come here? And he's like, look, you know, I do this job. I get it. I help people all day long. And she's like, do you really? And he goes, you bet your ass. But really, does he really? (laughs) Do you even? This is his self-image versus his bullshit at war. He does learn some new. He does learn some new psychobabble to take back to. That's what's her her teeth. (laughs) I feel like the real reason he's going is just so he can steal whatever she says to him and apply it to dumbass Pensatucky. She's an effective therapist. She's teaching him. Yeah. How to properly deal with emotions. So Pusey gets all up in. He's an empty vessel, though. He's just 
he's not really learning anything so much as he's just learning how to be a therapist, mm. not heal himself. Mm. Which is ironic for a guy whose name is Healy. <laughs> uh, Pusey jumps all up in the ta- Tasty's shit and says, you know, what the hell? You guys are selling smack now. And Tasty's like, so what? And Pusey's saying, yo, you want to be all gangster now? You want to act like a corner kid? And Tasty's like, look. Bitch, you don't know my life. That's right. You a bougie bitch and get the fuck out of my bunk. Which is not even in the top three sad, dist- terrible things that happened to Pusey in this episode. So nope. that should give you give you advance notice to better buckle the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a surprise sweep comes out of nowhere. Uh, the guys are going through their shit and they're finding makeup and all kinds of stuff and lot writing shots. Watson's found with a <sighs> cache of cigarettes in her bunk. Tampon cigs. Bust that thing wide open, and now Watson has to take the fall of the shoe. And she's looking at V like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And V is you know just what? not meeting her glance. <laughs> if there were uh, I feel like if she had those cigarettes wrapped up in tampons, they would have gotten away with it. Hmm. Why do you have loose cigarettes in the tampon box? It defeats the purpose of the tampon thing. Also, well, they tobacco that- has like a smell to it. Sure, sure. You're going to just be taking boxes of... You need to guard, the male guards going to take boxes of tampons and be like... No, they're not. Oh, that's, that's the stuff. But when you flip it upside down and cigarettes come rolling out, then you've given yourself away, so... Sure. But I feel like the one interesting thing is that V, in her mind, uh, Watson fucked up. Yeah. Because she got sloppy. She's not. She knew she was not supposed to have contraband in there. Mm-hmm. She was getting sloppy slash lazy, and mm-hmm. that's what the bad shit happened. Everybody else sees, like, you know, that's not how we see the situation. So what could V have done right in this situation? Yeah, because did she really expect her to, like, grab the guard and be like, you can't take away my girl? Slap him around. Give me those cigarettes. I mean, there's her power is not absolute. But on the other hand, she's the evil person, so I'm supposed to feel like she set Janae up or she's very cold and unfeeling. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. <clears throat> didn't show any solidarity, I guess. But again, like you said, what was she supposed to do? Uh, Mendez is being super creepy in a scene with Daya. Finds out she's still got one of his cards. And I don't know, man. He's just being really familiar and she's sitting there and taking it and being super, super creepy about it. Mm-hmm. Says that she looks softer. Yeah. Like he can sense that she's pregnant, kind of. Her, she's changing. Yeah. How far along is she now? I have no idea. I have no idea. He's so creepy. Yeah. Does he know what? So where does he think this baby came from? He doesn't know she's pregnant yet. Oh, he just no. Okay, he just notices the that extra meat on her. Yeah, gotcha. he said, "Oh, you look softer somehow." Oh, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's just. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guards are all going through the contraband that they uncovered in V's gang's headquarters, and they notice it all smells like poop. And the one French bulldog-looking guard says, you know what this means? It's going up the rectal pipeline. <laughs> and they all drop everything back away. Yeah. And and she says, uh, it's time for us to spread cheeks isn't cutting it. We need to go deeper. And everybody's like, you can't touch the prisoner. She's like, come on, a little finger? That won't count. I'm ready to be a hero. She's all about Ugh. those cavity searches, man. Yeah, she's a mess. Uh, it's not. It's it's like not just policy with her. It's she's got some kind of. Uh, she's about that life. Power tripping over the penetration now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it was an interesting plotline to follow. 
Uh, Nichols is really defensive of the girl that Red burned last year, whose name I cannot remember. Whose name I've never known. Yeah, she's the mousy-looking one that has got the hideous burn scar on her neck. Mm-hmm. And she's just following her like a vengeful ghost this entire episode. Yeah, it's weird. If you've ever played Super Mario Brothers and you've had <laughs> a boo chase you, mm-hmm. that's pretty much That's basically exactly what it's like. Every time you turn around, she covers her face, but you know she's there. Yeah, she can still see you. She's like a goddamn weeping angel. If she's going to do heroin, just let her do heroin. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, I mean... I, what else are you going to do? I guess the fact – the, the devil's advocate is the fact that someone is caring about you enough to be that intrusive in your personal life maybe is a, a, a way to keep you anchored. That some, you know, your life has meaning and they don't want you to do heroin and et cetera. I don't know. Is that something that's going to help you? I've never been addicted to a drug. I don't really know. Me either. I'm only addicted to podcasting. I can quit anytime. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Uh, Pinsatucky is with Healy and he's trotting off all these new, uh, therapy techniques that he's learned from his much better, more qualified real life therapist. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she's like, you know, what, what do I do? Pinsatucky? I forget her real name. And she says, well, you fill out shop paperwork, Mr. Healy. And he goes, (laughs) no, no, I actually am a therapist and I'm, I'm a counselor. And he's like, I'm going to start a support group called Safe, Safe Place. Safe Place. Uh-huh. And she's like, Mr. Healy, nobody's going to come to a support group unless there's free donuts or days off. And he goes, you underestimate them. They will, <laughs> uh, if I build this, they will come. <laughs> and the walrus is not correct, as we will soon see. Uh, I don't know that yet. V comes in. Yeah, I know I'm, sp- I'm doing an intra podcast spoiler. i got to yeah, stop that. You do. You are. V tells Pusey that she has to get in line in the library, and Pusey says, uh, I ain't gonna, and she goes, well, then you need to get the fuck out of the library, because this is good turf. And Pusey says, I ain't going anyway. Mm-hmm. I ain't going anywhere. So this will be an interesting battle of wills, slash fists. It will be a very sad, depressing battle of things. Uh, speaking of depressing, sad battles, Figaro has got Daya interviewing her. And she goes, look, just tell me between us women, did you encourage him in any way? And she says, yes. And she goes, well, even though this is officially rape, I want you to know, congratulations, you've officially destroyed a man's life. Question. All her fault. Would Fig have done that to anyone? If he had legitimately raped a prisoner, Mm -hmm. would she have questioned them to make them believe that they had encouraged that kind of behavior? I don't. Until no matter what, you're getting a yes out of the woman? I, I, well, the thing is, in this case, she did encourage it. Right, but it's... But still, it's like... It still that, is technically... Isn't that like, okay, what if... And it's victim-blaming, and, and it's, it's, it's not your place to do any of that. No, it's, it's like it's not unheard of for a 13, 14, 50-year-old girl to um, you know, attract attention of an older male figure... And you can't use that as an – still, it's like the reason statutory rape laws are in the books is because the state and society has decided that certain types of people cannot give consent. And and this relationship between Di and Ben is a perfect example of that, of her waking up mm-hmm. to that power imbalance. And that power imbalance is what makes it the statutory rape. Mm-hmm. Fig seems like she would blame the 13-year-old girl for hitting on the older man instead of the older man for taking advantage of the 13-year-old girl. Yeah. It's the same fucking gross situation. Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty bad. 
but the thing is, is Daya doesn't know it's bullshit, so she feels really, really terrible about this. Uh, there's a kind of amusing scene, but I wasn't feeling it because it was just right after this super disgusting scene about the silent boyfriend being coached through his, you know, by his, his girlfriend <laughs> slash baby mama about having, to, doing a dispute resolution with a landlord or bill collector with a baseball bat. <laughs> and a black trash bag. And a black and trash bag. The wooden kind. The wooden kind, not the metal. Because you can get charged for murder if you use metal, but wooden baseball bat just makes adorable boo-boos on people. And that nice black trash bag that you can't see through. <laughs> Why do you think she's stressed of wood over metal? Is wood more intimidating? or does Seems she like think wood will do some more damage to you. Really? Yeah, and aluminum bats are like hollow. Oh, man, or I feel aluminum. like... aluminum, they go ting. For skull cracking power, right. you can't beat a metal you bat. You can't beat a solid wood bat. Wow. You know what? I'm going to get two bats. And I'm, gonna, and I'm just going <laughs> to hit some you. A, let's do some A-B testing. Yeah, I'm going to alternate hitting the sides of your head. And you tell me which one hurts worse. <laughs> the only way I'll consent to that is if we both wear blindfolds. So it would be a proper double blind test. Oh, no. You don't get to hit me. No, I'm no. I know. You. We both wear – because I don't want to know if it's a wood bat or metal bat coming. And you can't know. So you subtly influence me with some cues. Well, I'd be able to feel it. I can feel the difference between – Empty aluminum bat and a solid wooden you bat. You will wear mittens. No, it's the weight, Aaron. It's the difference. <laughs> well, wait, the weight. okay. What if I Darling. gave you a five-pound wooden bat and a five-pound metal bat? The one doesn't weigh more than the other, does it? This is ridiculous. <laughs> I think so. You are just obstinately not seeing the point, and I'm <laughs> just laying it right out for you. <laughs> that a given quantity of metal... Weighs less than a given quantity of wood. So, uh, Piper speaking to the journalist. No, Sophia and her ex-wife. Yes, little Mike. And he has a baby fucking face. But he's all grown up. He does. But he's still got that baby face. Mm -hmm. He's got, uh, she's like, you know, we can talk about anything. You can say anything you want to say. And his mom. Which is really kind of nice that she's encouraging him. That if he feels angry, to talk about how he feels angry. Yeah. Have you ever had? I don't know. I Have can't I ever say ha- that. I can't say that I've ever emotionally been in that position where I genuinely feel angry at someone, and someone genuinely feels remorseful, and they give you the opportunity to vent. Yeah, free shot. Because they understand. Right. Most people try to like. You can't say that to me. Surely you're not trying to. You're. You gonna don't hurt have the my, right to be angry. You're going to hurt my feelings. This is my life, and that's nice. Yeah. No, I like that. And her mom again. His mom super supportive by saying, "Hey, you know what? Let's just play a game. Let's get the ball rolling, game style, gamey game." Uh, Piper and a journalist are also meeting in another camera or corner of the both things visiting office, and he's like, "Hey." Yes, both things. I need pictures of these invoices, or at least invoices. Maybe I can smuggle you in a camera. And Piper's like, no, maybe you can get me an iPhone with a camera. And are you fucking crazy? And I can play Candy Crush. Yeah, I can play Candy Crush while I'm taking these pictures. (laughs) That's what it was. And he says, look, this woman's a criminal. She needs to be taken down. She says, yeah, so am I. Shut him up. Hmm. We flash back over to Sophia, and she's letting Michael win some weird game of Go Fish. Go Fish is that what it is? Or it's spades, or I'm not sure exactly mm, what it is. I never played it. I don't. I I know how to play euchre. I'm from Indiana. That's all I know how to play euchre <laughs> and a smattering of poker and maybe some blackjack. I maybe. can play slapjack. Slapjack. Sure, sure. We can. <laughs> kings. I love playing kings. Uh, Is she letting Michael win? You thought not. You thought that she was just pleasantly surprised that he was kicking her ass. I thought they are implying that maybe she let him win. 
Why? Why would you think that? Because she had this smile on her face, like, hey, what I'm doing is working. And he's, like, super impressed that he's beating his older. Um, I mean, that's – so I almost said dad. But, of course, that's the complicated thing is that, you know, you respect trans women, trans men's feelings and what they want to be called. But mm-hmm. also you have to respect this little kid's feelings about how confusing the situation is for, mm-hmm. you know, and what kind of shit he – oh, my God, I can't even imagine how cruel children are to uh, uh, other kids in this position. Yeah, not only is your uh, father now your mother, but she's She's also a prisoner. She's also a prison, in prison. And it's just, man, a lot of shit that they're going to have to work out there. So I thought maybe letting him win would be a good icebreaker. But uh, that's just... Pandering, really. uh, Man, kids like winning. I'm just saying, I don't know. I, I've got no real concrete evidence. I just want to know what you opinion, your opinion was, and your opinion is kind of full of shit I'm getting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, let's see. Uh, Fig goes up to the journalist and says, what in the fuck are you doing in my prison? And he says, I'm visiting Piper Chapman. And she says, <gasps> like that. Pretty much how that went down. We see that the vengeful ghost of burned kitchens past is still haunting Nichols. And uh, was it Morello that opined that I think I think she wants some of those cheese puffs you got? Yeah. And uh, she says, okay, what the hell do you want from me? And she says, I want you to take that shit to red. And she goes, really? You think I'm going to give away two years of sobriety for this heroin? And she <laughs> yes. totally wants to. The answer is yes, absolutely. And she mentions, uh, what's her name? Christina? Mm-hmm. Nope. No, is it? Not. Are you talking about the Vinci Ghost? Trisha. Oh. I'm talking about she mentions uh, Trisha oh, right. as evidence why Corn she wouldn't. Rose, mm-hmm. the one last year that got the yes. OD'd. So Morales gets a visitor. Morello. Morello, sorry, not Morales. <laughs> Morello gets a visitor, and she goes, and she's kind of like pimp- primping her hair, and she sees it's Christopher. Christopher. And she's still so fucking happy to see her, and he just is like goes ballistic. He goes, don't you fucking touch me. I know you broke in. I want you to tell me it was you. And then he said, okay, if you ever come near me or my family again, I'll kill you. He calls her a psycho. He calls her a psycho. And then he realizes that she's keeping the charade going in prison. Mm-hmm. And then he really comes unglued. Yeah, and loudly Nikki, annou- yeah. Oh, is so... on the. You feel bad. But you he has feel bad every right. For Morello. He has Lord. every right to humiliate and make this woman's life hell. Yeah, he is the literal victim here, but yeah. we're feeling bad for the person that we sympathize with. Yeah, there's Stockholm Syndrome to us. And she is. She's got some screw loose, and she needs some help, and she's probably not getting it here in prison, clearly. Any kind of therapy or, or healing ability at all, mm-hmm. right? She's just doing time under the same fucking delusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So that was a crazy, uncomfortable scene. Let's see. Nichols, she goes and kind of comforts her. Because she, she saw this whole thing through the glass, the whole ugly scenario. And she goes, it's becoming clear because she confesses that she stole the van and did this visit to Christopher's house. Yeah. And she says, it's becoming clear that you're batshit insane <laughs> and you're a maniac, but you're a sweet girl. But she says it in a way that makes it lovable. Yeah. And Morella says, you know, who's going to love me? And Nikki says, says, I do. He is not the man that I thought he was. No, he's so mean. (laughs) Uh, But Morello says, well, I'll love you. They used to have a kind of slam piece, lesbian convenience relationship. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is going to be rekindled? No. 
Okay, so it's just Nikki being a solid friend for her. Yes. All right. Nikki is banged, bonged, boinged. Yes. A million other women since Marlo probably doesn't even remember that she's done that. So okay, I don't think that's true, but because I, I thought it was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Piper calls Larry. Wants to know who it was. It's been eating at her. When Suzanne and V roll up, and Suzanne informs her phone time's over, get the hell out. And I don't know. Uh, so she goes, showing that their uh, their path of terror is not just limited to uh, defenseless, sick old women, right? And young, lovelorn friends. She just yeah, she's she's casting shade on everybody. But this key's a flashback to where Piper's talking to Polly. And she says, I'm not even a lesbian. I'm just experimenting. and I'm just discovering what sex can be. And then I'm a sexual person. Doorbell rings and Piper gets a flaming sack of dog poop. Or could be human poop. <laughs> could be human poop. Uh deduces is, that it is Sylvie's. It's, it's Sylvie's. And she steps in it with her Uggs, I think. Yeah. It just gets shit everywhere. It's really nasty. How, how do you get to be that age and not know about the flaming dog poop? Seriously. My God. My God. Ugh. Uh, Daya and she's Dennis- just oblivious. She's just an oblivious person. She is oblivious. She's an oblivion ring. Uh, Daya's talking to Bennett and says, "You know, Fig is right. In my neighborhood, real men stand up for their kids." And she's and he's like, "What do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to jail? Because that's what happens if I take responsibility for this child." And she says, "Yes. No. I don't know. I don't know what I want. It, this just feels really, really bad." And I kind of feel her on this, like. It does feel really bad. But what do you do? But what do you do? You're trapped in this situation. You, you certainly, yeah, that's tough. It was, super, it was you know, yeah. technically yeah. rape. Uh-huh. But you still don't want to punish him because it Yeah, your boyfriend's also technically, yeah, I mean, I think what's tripping her. Consensual rape? Is what's, that a what's thing? What's tripping her is that so. this guy's guilty of the same thing her boyfriend's guilty of. Now he's a guilty in addition of many other things, being a terrible human being, uh, you know, sexually assaulting people left, right, and center, killing Trisha, killing Trisha. He's guilty of, of many, many terrible things, but it just—I feel like this part that they're both equally awful in this one specific way is fucking with her. And he's like, "Look, I'd go to jail," and she said, "Well, at least we'd then be even." And I wondered, it's like, oh God, is this where this relationship's going? He's going to turn him in. They're both going to be in prison. And then they'll get out approximately the same time. And basically, they're telling me that they can't live happily ever after. No, this is where you definitely are seeing the light at the end of this plot line, and it's not. It's probably an oncoming train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yoga Jones comes up to Soso, and she thinks she's going to make fun of her, and she's like, "No, I actually think what you're doing is brave. You're a true activist. These guards are using shoe like a toddler timeout, which, by the way, is a legit." criticism of prison that's oh, actually absolutely. Been, investigated that's a horribly damaging thing to do to a person right shit if i get left alone in the shower by myself for 20 <laughs> seconds i start to claw my own skin off <laughs> it's really horrible <laughs> but that is something that they're using isolation for very minor offenses yeah like that should be something to protect the prisoner like, I feel and like it guards. would be more humane to physically abuse this person yeah. than it is to just lock them up in a 
empty room by themselves for days. Well, it's kind of like how tasers have oh. become. That's supposed to be like you only do that if your alternative is to shoot the person. Now it's just cops do it as like, hey, you're not complying as fast as I want. Taser. Mm-hmm. I feel like shoe is there to protect, to put that person in isolation to protect themselves or others. And now it's being used for just any old punishment that the guards, you know, it's like, oh, this is a super bad punishment for sending you to shoe. It is terrible. I don't know. I mean, having contraband, that just doesn't seem like it should be a trip to the shoe. I don't, I don't know. Um, but uh, so-so, this is the nourishment she needs to keep going because she was really, really down and depressed. She said everything hurts. I don't know how long she's been without food, but it's starting to be It's been something. six days, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, I've I've pretty sure I've she, pretty go- sure she said six days. As long as I've gone as three, I can't imagine like you know what. How, that's, I feel like six is the very bottom of like the worst part of the hunger. If you can push through that, then it got. I, I hear it gets easier. I've heard it was. It's about two or three days. Really? And then the hunger pang stopped coming. <clears throat> hmm. Keep uh, yourself hydrated. Your body's like, ah, I give up. <laughs> Do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, Healy Safe Place, surprise, surprise, is empty. Of donuts. It's empty of donuts. It's empty of everything but Pensatucky. And she's basically saying, I told you, Mr. Healy, this isn't going to work. No one's coming. I guess no one's coming up. She's like my son and that he loves to adorably rub my face my own failures. <laughs> but you can't, you know, he's just being oblivious. Mm-hmm. So he's like, look, at, like, look Dad, how, how hard you're failing. You are really struggling. You can't get mad at that, though. What else were we talking about? Polly visiting Piper in prison. Polly visiting Piper. Her first time coming ever? Maybe. No, 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 no. no. I know he hasn't. But it's a super awkward. It's what been a did long Larry time tell? since she had the baby, yeah. Yeah, what did Larry say? Why did you think that? It's super fucking guilty. Similar to, I mean, I guess Larry's trying to play it cool, too. Oh, and by the way, Pete's not around anymore. Really? Her, hus- her husband. Wait, what do you mean? She also dropped that her husband went to Alaska. Oh, 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 oh. I thought you meant that, like, subsequent to him coming back that they had separated. I'm like, whoa, I didn't get that from that scene. <laughs> no. Uh, but no, yeah. And, and Piper starts slowly putting the pieces together, and this becomes an open non-apology. Yeah, they're like, both, they've both understood that what's happening, but they're not going to say it out loud because so, they're so passive-aggressive. And it's so momentous that, like, how do you even talk about that without being completely prepared at all? And you're literally <laughs> two people blindsided. Suppose at some point when their sentences trailed off for the last time, then Polly didn't just stand up and say, well, I'm going to go now. <laughs> yeah. Whoop, <laughs> it just whoop, left. Whoop, 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 and just took off like that. Ugh. Three Stooges style. Mm-hmm. Piper is telling Alex about how Sylvie left the burning bag of shit on Polly's front door, which kind of means, I guess, were they at Polly's house? Did Sylvie follow Piper to somebody else's house? No, Piper answered the door. Piper's house. Okay, it was Piper's house. It was like mom and dad's house? Yeah. Maybe. And then Alex says, sometimes you just got to rage in order to move on. Right. And then she drops the L-bomb. Yeah, did you love her? No, but I love you. Do you believe that? I believe that Alex. Nah, I can't believe anything. I think it's Alex just says. lusty. Yeah, a little free John. <laughs> and, and then, then she then, makes her say it back. Yeah, I just said I love you. Got to say it back. What are you, some kind of asshole? Like, oh god, this relationship. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Off to a great start. Oh my god, does anyone have a good relationship in this fucking show? Does anyone ever? Can I get one person with a good, solid relationship? Jesus. 
Piper goes back to her bunk and she starts punching the wall. She bloodies her knuckles and Red sidles up to it and says, hey, you want to talk about it? And Piper kind of talks about how I think it's my best friend that did this to me. And Red's like, oh, wow. She goes, well, you don't want to drink poison and wait for it to kill your enemy. So stop punching the walls and start plotting your revenge. Plotting your revenge, at which point she starts opening Alex's letters. In Soviet Russia, revenge plots you. (laughs) Uh, Pusey's in the library and goes and gets her secret booze stash that's up in the drop ceiling and it's nasty looking Question, shit. Question, what's in that what's in that bottle? Some kind of rotten fruit. Pretty and... sure there was like an old rat that they found oh, in the kitchen. Oh, it's so nasty looking. And I'm like, did she vomit from sheer quantity that she drank? Or did she vomit from just having that nasty shit inside of her? Both of the things, I think. That happens a little bit later. In the meantime, V's snooping in uh, Red's greenhouse and says, come on, Red, we should share. And Red's like, oh, no, I remember my flashback from last episode. No one can trust you. You beat my <laughs> ass down. You just take and bully. And V said, no, people can change, Red. Is she actually thinking that Red is going to believe this shit? I mean, how fucking weak does she think he, she is? He, she? He, she. <laughs> Her, she. Um, it appears to be working. I don't know. Whenever, you know... Whenever V does this flip-flop thing where where she immediately can she, turn someone's mind. She's doing the tail mind. between her leg or like, hey, I just want to be friends. Or, hey, we used like, to be how does friends. that work? Why does anyone ever allow her to think it's working? Well, and it does. Like, it worked. On, this is exactly the plan. She, the script that she runs with Tasty, and, and it she, works to perfection. And she pulled it on Gloria before that or after. Yeah, I don't know. It works on Gloria in the bathroom. It's worked on everybody uh, the whole time except for Red. Red's got the one superpower that she can ignore it. Anyway, uh, Nichols is in her bunk. She gets her heroin out, and she's smelling it. She's putting the package in her mouth and kind of giving it some mouthfeel. She's flicking the bag like she's about ready to do it. You can tell. You can tell this is going to a bad place. But she goes to Red and says, here, take it. I'm going to do it, and I let you down. Really sweet scene between her and Red. Yeah. Red opens with, do you think that people can change? And then a people a people changed right in front of her eyes. So you thinking that that is going to be bad news as far as her not being taken advantage of by V. Because she just was confronted with, hum- with literal proof that people can change. Right. But I guess her lesson here is to learn which people can and which people can't. Yeah. And you have to know who to trust. And she's really sweet with Nikki. She says, you did good. You did good. Which clearly means a lot to the woman. And then she stabbed her in the back and tossed her in the hole. <laughs> uh, Pousset is sick in a nasty-ass bathroom stall. Girl, you blind drunk. And she's like, fuck you, V. Uh, Suzanne beats the shit out of her. And it, again, oh, it was double violent. Yeah, all you do is drop her on that bench. And then oh, she was God. It looked like a broke rib, and then she starts stomping on her. And then Suzanne's so worked up, she starts hitting herself and is violent to herself, and V's able to do some sort of calming Jedi mind trick on her. And Cindy's back there watching the whole thing like, what have I gotten myself Clearly into? Clearly disgusted. Clearly disgusted. And uh, Suzanne is screaming... In, like, this rage she's worked herself into. Um, Pousset is screaming and crying in pain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where are the COs? 
Yeah. It seems like shower time is when you'd want to watch them carefully. Don't they get razors to shave themselves with? Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, maybe not six guards to watch a bunch of girls out in the open eat lunch. Maybe one in the showers. It's probably one of those things where it's just dramatization. Because you're right. That is a terrible, terrible kind of plot hole there. But realistically, I believe that um, maybe someone like Tasty... Or someone else was assigned to distract the guard. Yeah, that's no, that's gonna, good. That's that's they, they, they could have been a diversion, mm-hmm. and then maybe that's why maybe Black Cindy feels disgusted because that was her job, and she comes in at the end. And is like, oh God, what have I done? No. <laughs> anyway, Piper calls Cal and gets Neary, her new sister in law, who's like, "What up, sister? What what mischief can I help you get up to? I got a giant arm scar. I'm ready for more. <laughs> that's right. I am so down the clown." Uh, so she wants her to do a favor. We've smash cut to Polly, seeing there's a flaming sack of poop that she promptly and efficiently extinguishes. But she lives in an apartment building. Yeah. Like, there's there's a hallway where that poop was left in. It wasn't ooh, out in the open. Ooh, oh, you're right. <laughs> and she goes, uh, I deserve that, which she kind of does. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a perfect level of revenge retaliation for this action. Uh, Caputo's talking about things that he wishes he could unsee, and he's referencing the movie about Aaron Ralston. 127 hours. Yeah, Aaron Ralston, who <laughs> heroically marched and got himself stuck in a valley and then literally cut his own arm off. It's, it's a fucking crazy story. But he's like, I, I wish that whole, you know, the tendon Ugh. snapping, the bones cracking, but the image that really haunts me is your pasty white pimply ass bouncing up and down amongst the mops and the brooms your ass haunts me and he's like i'm sorry sir uh he says you give our whole profession a bad name he says well i just gave out 15 shots this morning and i what do was my the, job and what was the quota five five week. a week yeah yeah that's a, a bad bad on prison does that morale. make his uh, his shots for that day null and void I don't know. Is Healy just going to toss out the paperwork? Uh, that's a good point. I'm saying you fire at someone who's... There's got to... Do you know this one thing? I wonder if there's some kind of internal affairs bureau that, like, if you're a prisoner that you're getting abused by the guards, is there some grievance that you can file? And is there some kind of hearing process? Seems like That if a guard be. has done things to retaliation, you can get those things expunged from your record? It's, like, well-publicized enough. You have all the news crews outside. You- if you've been in prison... Contact orange at baldmove.com to tell us your experiences. The law offices of Suki Suki and Suki. <laughs> anyway, uh, but he fires him and he's like, Not oh, before this... telling him that she's pregnant. Yeah, you sadistic little mustachioed shit. She's got a sadistic little mustachioed shit inside, inside her. Inside of her, there you go. That poor woman. You're fired and also you're under arrest, which Mendez, I don't think, really understood till that moment. I don't think he still understands. Well, until I don't the think end. He, he doesn't seem like he's smart enough to understand the concept of abusing your authority. No, clearly not. And he's not when he slaps a woman on the ass and writes her a shot for it. And there's a TV crew, and they're doing a perp walk in front of all these prisoners. And Figs is droning on about these are vulnerable women under our care. We do everything in our power to protect them, which is a bunch of bullshit, obviously. And he, he's winking at people as he leaves, but then he gets to die. Uh, he gets to die and says, wait for me, baby. I love this woman. I don't even care. That's my baby in there. And I love you. 
Uh, don't eat any tuna fish, no soft cheeses. I'm coming back for both of you. And he kissed her before he got wheeled out. Which is what Dio wants Bennett to do. So that's probably another mind fuck. Yeah, they make eye contact at the end like this is your fault. Is it? I, it's fuck it's it's a it's, it's really so crazy. complicated it's so yes so well done that you would choose this story because yeah there's no right answer no no it's a surprisingly crazy gray nuanced issue for the show too and as he's taken out red takes a stance right in the middle of the hallway and stares where his trail is getting cold it she basically gives him a superman stance as he's casting a heat beam i feel like that that gaze <laughs> could literally melt steel it seems um it seems like literally literally it seems like that came too late though yeah i don't know it's like yeah, he was why? already out the front door before she decided to step out in the hallway and, and why was she feeling triumphant yeah this is this this was out of her hands last season so come on settle down now red although i know she i guess the guy did smack her on ass so she feeling just good about him getting railroaded yeah so um, anyway, let's do a little bit of uh, paying the bills and then get into some feedback because we've got a lot of it this week. We had a really lengthy story about prison life. Okay. Uh, if you'd like to support us at baldmove.com and everything that we do, we'd love to have your support. And you can do so at subbable.com slash baldmove with our voluntary subscription service. Hey, when do I start getting paid? <laughs> 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 um. No, but seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Man, talking about bringing a podcast down. Uh, well, Just kidding, folks. I do this as sort of a charitable service for the community. I guess. Kind I, of like community service. Kind of like mandatory community service. Plus, you know, like if, if you, as a woman, you're only really supposed to make 73 Whoa. cents on the dollar. And my money is kind of like largely theoretical at this point so 73 cents of theoretical money is 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 not nothing or actually it's exactly nothing well you just deposit a check into my commissary and we'll call it even all right all right 10 bucks 10 bucks in your commissary get yourself some pudding cups some little debbies maybe a whole box really craving some ramen ramen (laughs) i just know you'll use it to make prison toilet wine anyway You can go to supplecom slash move. It's our voluntary subscription site where you can sign up to give us a one-time infusion of cash or continuing, and it helps us make podcasts, and you can get some cool stuff in return. Go to supplecom slash move to check it out. You can also use our Amazon.BaldMove.com affiliate link. It's If you're using Amazon anyway, it's an easy way to support us, and it really helps us out. Yeah, you cheap bastards. <laughs> Finally, last and certainly not least, if you can review us and rate us on iTunes, that helps a lot, helps grow our network, and also tell a friend or family about us. That stuff works, too. The old-fashioned word-o-mouth, W-O-M, the womb, if you will. <laughs> Let's get some, some feedback. Eric H. says, hey, Aaron, loving the cast and revolving. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron, loving the cast and revolving co-host setup. This is a compliment by extension to you as well, since you're a part of the revolving host apparatus. Oh, Yes. Just want to share a few thoughts. While I'm no expert, I did major in criminology and criminal justice in college and stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? Eric, you are overqualified. First, Rosa could have been... It's a, it's a commercial. It's a reference to the commercial. Like the whole, uh, you know... Oh, I don't watch I, TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, first Rosa could have been charged. He's, he's talking about we we uh, wondered last week uh, what the situation with Rosa was, uh-huh. and you know why she would you know what kind of term, what kind of prison term would she get? It says first Rosa could have been charged with felony murder in those bank robberies. If my memory serves correctly, you can be charged with murder if anyone dies even with a heart attack while you were committing a felony. So the three bank robberies plus three murders would stack up to a lot of time. This would make me guessing her age or time sentence pretty hard to gauge without further information. Also, I thought about the larger communal cells that the new prisoners and some of the older uh, prisoners like Miss Rosa are in. You said you thought it was because they're for more serious offenders and one of the cast. I actually think those cells are designed for more of a protective setup for the more vulnerable prisoners. This would explain why they put newbies... Uh, and why the older sick inmates would be housed there. That actually does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because you can't just have them wandering in communal areas getting beat the shit out of, and, you know, you do that to Ms. Rosa, and she's done for. Yeah, that's true. Kristen says for Episode 9, uh, I really like the scene where Piper arrives and Larry. Uh, it's a very painful scene. I cringe at her every rude word. But this is what I appreciate about the show, that she's awful and that she is her awful self 100% of the time. At least her asshole self is honest. Her relationship is real. There are times in my life when I have censored my real self because it was being an asshole. Sometimes you just need to put it out there. Piper is the extreme, but I'm going to give her an A for honesty and then a punch in the face. It's the whole reason why Bald Move was created. (laughs) So you can just be an outward asshole. I can just get my asshole out. (laughs) And... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just air it out just air out air it out <laughs> air it out my inner asshole uh and my outer one as well my god i don't yes. even have to make a joke it makes itself yeah it does we shall move on to kate a uh i've been meaning to email for quite a while because i've had some unique information to share about woofing which is the willing organic farmers farming or something like that <laughs> okay Uh, And prison food. I own an organic farm in Hawaii, you dirty fucking hippie. And we usually have between four and six woofers, so obviously I thought it was hilarious when Soso said that she had been a woofer. Despite what it seems like on the show, most of our woofers are actually just outdoorsy college students. You don't say. (laughs) Not many real hippies in the bunch. I think this may be that what the hippie woofers are not attracted to our farm because we are not a vegan farm or an intentional community or anything super crunchy like that. You you need more buzzwords, but you need to be responsibly sourced, cruelty free, at least for the hippie types to show up. All natural, all natural, BPA free, uh, anti Monsanto, GMO free. You need to be all those things if you want the really hardcore hippie types. To be supporting you, Kate. Yeah, you're way too... Uh, she goes, but I rarely meet woofers who are activists in any way. Mostly they're just looking for a cheap way to travel and also to enjoy really fresh produce. That said, we did have one woofer now who was a CO at a men's minimum security federal prison in Georgia before coming to our farm. He didn't like being a CO and he wanted to move to Hawaii, so he's woofing it at our farm to have a home base to find a job and to buy a car, etc. Smart man. That is a huge life trade-up, being a CEO in prison uh, to going to Hawaii. Oh, my God. That's a huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she continues, Kate does, as soon as I found out about his old job, I was dying to ask him a bunch of questions. His job as a correctional officer was working in the kitchen as kitchen staff overseeing the inmates who worked in the prison. He also did some other guard duties when someone needed to fill him in, but that was his main job. So his week, he had a long card ride. Wait, so this week we had a long car ride, and I grilled him on the... How can you have a long car ride in uh, Hawaii? They drive 30 minutes, and you run into the ocean. 
I don't think that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure they're just driving in circles around the island. Yeah, like 500 Obby. style. It's like it's some three kind of miles, island race. Three miles, 3.14. <laughs> it's all the numbers of pi I know. Uh, he, but anyway, during her 30-minute car trip before they ran into the ocean off the longest pier, <laughs> she grilled him on the details of prison food and the kitchen, etc. Because I want to know how realistic portrayal in Orange is the New Black is. So to tell you a bit about the prison, there was no violent criminals and most of the inmates were there because they were going to be deported, not for illegal immigration or such, uh, as for committing a crime while in the U.S. on a visa or something. So it was a very diverse prison. He said the population was about 2,700 inmates, so considerably larger than the Litchfield prison. He said the food was really good. He said that the pre-made meals that you hear about are almost always at state prisons and that federal prisons have good food. He said he ate it every day, although I should note that he isn't the pickiest. He said that almost everything or nothing was pre-made and they received pallet loads of responsibly sourced, organic, willingly farmed produce and ingredients <laughs> almost every day from a federal food distributor. She nice. said none of those things. Oh, darn it. <laughs> Not only would they receive fresh vegetables that are non-GMO, but he said that they were pretty <laughs> and that he said that they're pretty decent. Is that really in there? No, not all. Oh. But they also get huge slabs of cruelty-free meat. He said that they mostly ate beef and chicken and almost never pork, but they were always free range. Although, interestingly <laughs> enough, he said they sometimes had churro, churro, chorizo. Chorizo, that's Mexican sausage. What seems pretty fancy for prison food to me. I can't pronounce it, much less eat it. Chorizo. Chorizo. Uh, that is not at available at Chipotle, so I would not have no idea. No, Chipotle is... <laughs> Very American Mexican food. Indeed. Secondly, he said that the dietary restrictions, especially those for religious reason, reasons, were incredibly important. There are one or two CEOs at his prison trained as kosher cooks who are in charge of kosher and halal diets, vegan, gluten-free, vegetarian, or any other dietary restrictions. I'm starting to think that this contradicts other emails we got about the prison cafeterias being very austere and very industrial. This sounds almost boutique. <laughs> Anyway, they get the menus, menus handed down from federal dietitians who are in charge of the entire prison system, and the people with the dietary restrictions get special menus for every meal. Oftentimes, the meals are better than the general population because they are specially made. He also said that the prison chaplains would host religious dinners for different holidays with authentic cuisine. For example, there was a special dinner for the Jewish prisoners during Passovers, and during Ramadan, the Muslims would get get-to-go boxes with their dinners to take back to their bunk for after sunset. Because they can't eat with the day, in the daylight hours? Exactly. I know that much. So I guess that prison is gluten slogan isn't the most accurate. At least at this candy-ass vacation prison. Is, this, Club is the fed. prison in Hawaii? No. No, it's not. It's Club in Georgia, fed. and it's, it's... I don't know. That sounds I, nice. I guess we're... I feel like that these are all foreign dignitaries that have got their diplomatic immunity revoked, so they're being treated like I mean, heads of state. It just depends. It depends on how many prisoners you have. It depends on the qualifications of the administration. Right. Like, if you got someone like Fig who's taken all the money, right. then yes, situations are going to be a little shittier. Yeah, that's true. And I, I, I guess I'm making jokes. Maybe I shouldn't. It sounds like that I want prisoners to be brutalized. This is actually the kind of treatment that I think, yeah, this... this you deserve a you're already, basic meal that your isn't... freedom's being deprived. You should have a basic uh, meal that doesn't rob you of your human dignity. You should be safe religious choice. and clean and fed. And fed. It's the least they the can do. The very least. Uh, he said, third, it, it wouldn't be possible to starve someone out because there was a buffet of certain foods available at all times. At In breakfast... The commissary? 
I guess. Uh, but no, this is like a buffet. So at breakfast, it was cereal. You could have as much cereal as you wanted. Hmm. At lunch and dinner, there was rice, beans, and salad. You could just go up and get as much of those as you wanted. You get a tray in a cafeteria line like they have in a show, but if for some reason you were not given a tray or you didn't like the food, you'd always have rice and beans. And salad? And salad. Fourth and so something I found super interesting. There's a big trade amongst the prisoners in food that they would steal from the kitchen. He said one time there was an entire case of avocados stolen and hidden in the garbage can and passed from kitchen crew to cleaning crew and then traded out for favors. Fifth, he said the force segregation in the bunks is really accurate and there are even trained administrators who would have to plan for gang affiliations in the bunk assignments in addition to race assignments. Interesting. For his prison specifically, gangs were an issue, but religion was a bigger issue and they made sure to bunk certain religions together. You do not put the Jehovah's Witnesses with the Mormons. That's that shit will go bad. Why? Tell me why. Actually, there's that they'd probably get along together and bond over. <laughs> start their own religion. They'd start their own religion and they they bond over their shared missionary practices. Probably. Um, I don't know. Elrond I always had a soft spot with it for the Mormons. Elrond Smith. Elrond Smith. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> Joseph see. Joseph Hubbard. This is may be only specific to his prison though because they house so many different nationalities. He did say, though, that there was not really segregation in the different job assignments. They would assign your job based on your skills and training before coming to prison. So people had been line cooks would then work in the kitchen, or if you'd done plumbing or carpentry before, you could be on the handyman crew. He also said the inmates would not have ever gotten a full reign of the kitchen like in Orange is the New Black. The CO kitchen staff are in charge of the kitchen. The inmates just follow their instructions. He said it was the same as when college students do work study in the cafeteria. There are full-time cafeteria workers who are in charge, and the students just do grunt work. I never went to college. It was too much like prison. (laughs) There's always a kitchen staff CEO who checks out the tools like knives and peelers to the inmates the same way as the screwdrivers checked out of the maintenance department last season on the show. That was actually super interesting and a completely different prison experience than I've ever heard talked about. Uh, And I wonder what the deal... It doesn't seem like we've gotten a consistent prison story yet. Yeah, and I bet... plus, Plus it's like, is your prison privately operated or is it operated by the state or fed and what kind of prison it is there's all so many different variables you know like martha stewart i hear her prison (laughs) was pretty nice and she got dropped off and picked up by helicopter (laughs) that's not bad i read this not i read this well i did read this and i saw that uh swedish prisons are pretty nice yeah sure it's like a it's like a psych hospital right Padded walls and comfy beds and hmm. plenty of <laughs> plenty of diaries to read <laughs> to read and write in. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would think that Sweden, Norway, uh, Iceland—they'd all have really nice prisons. Mm-hmm. They seem like they've got their shit together. But that's an entirely countries. different country. It is. If you'd like to give us some quality feedback and the likes of what we just ridden, you can do so at orange at baldmove.com. Oh, just ridden. Ridden, redden, written, read it. If you'd like to get that read, you can do so at orange at baldmove.com, or you can participate in our show threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. I'm always patrolling those for comments as well. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I think we'll have you back for the wrap-up cast. Thanks for helping us out here, Cecily. I'm still deciding whether or not I'm going to break out of this hellhole first. <laughs> uh, you're going to sneak out through the tunnel, the rectal route. Oh, you know what? That's a better idea. I was just going to hide in a, sh- a bag of shit, but I like where you're going with this. <laughs> uh, smuggle yourself out of your own ass. 
<laughs> anyway, we will see you then, hopefully. If not, we'll see you next week on True Blood. Thanks again, Cecily. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And again, I'm Cecily. 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 Goodbye. Cecily.